Welcome to the Navigating Dental Insurance Podcast, where we don't take from insurance companies. Here are your hosts, Mr. Jordan Comstock and Mr. Ben Tuine. Welcome to another exciting episode of our Say No to PPO podcast series. This is Ben Tuine, your co-host. I'm on with Jordan Comstock. Hey, Jordan. Hey, how's it going, Ben? Excellent, man. How about yourself? <laughs> I'm doing good. Just getting ready for Christmas. All right. Can't rock wait. Rock on, rock on. <laughs> yeah, rock on. <laughs> hey, folks, we have an exciting guest on our show today. Uh, we have Weston Lunsford. He's the CEO of Dental Intel, or otherwise known as Dental Intelligence. So Weston oversees the strategic direction of uh, Dental Intel and their products. He's an old friend of mine. We've known each other for a number of years. And what I like about Weston is that the guy is just downright smart. <laughs> Uh, but what he does at Dental Intel as one of the founders and the owners and the current CEO, he's just one of those CEOs that enjoys getting involved with clients. And you don't really see that in a lot of CEOs across the country with larger organizations like his company. Um, so Wesson's background is he spent over 10 years uh, as a principal of um, an accounting firm in Provo, Utah. Um, he's worked with well over 2,000 dentists and other medical professionals. Uh, I love Wesson because he just has a passion to improve the industry. So we have a wonderful treat to have Weston on the call with us today. Weston, welcome to our podcast. It's great to have you today. Ben, thanks. Excited to be here with you guys. I, I love, I've loved you for years, and so I'm looking forward to having a conversation with you. Hopefully we can talk about some things that will be beneficial to all your listeners. I hope so. As I travel the country, I run across your clients all the time and potential clients. I was just in Colorado couple months ago and funny thing is is I was I was uh, talking to a dentist and he brought up your name he said oh you know I spoke with Clay Shubin and, and Weston Lunsford at Dental Intel and he started asking me about whether you run insurance reports but before we go into the data analytics that you deal with for, for dentists a lot of our listeners they're not familiar with Dental Intel and, and, and the goal here is to help them understand what you do in the industry and the key part, which is how you contribute towards our mission in terms of helping offices um, improve the numbers on the insurance side, which I firmly believe, Wesson, that every practice in the United States should have dental intel in their program. But tell us a little bit about awesome. tell us a little bit about dental intel. What what are you guys all about? Yeah, well, dental intel is the leader of providing practices with easy to understand and actionable data. And uh, so we're a business intelligence organization that focuses 100% in dentistry. And, it, and, and we basically are aggregating all of practices data from their practice management software, from their social media software, from their uh, financial software. We're bringing that data into a centralized location where we add actual business intelligence to the information and report that back in a manner that teams can actually act on. And you know, what what, what I mean by that on actually acting on is we're a little bit different than most dashboard companies. There's a lot of companies that can provide you with reports and pretty metrics, but we always talk about taking you well beyond the data. I don't want to just show someone that their cancellation percentage is at 16% and it's been increasing over the past 13 weeks by, by 2% average a month. We can do that. But what I want to show them is exactly why and then what specific team members and what specific patients need action done today. And so we're all about action-driven metrics, right? I'm not about just giving lagging reporting stuff. You can get that out of your practice management software. 
And, uh, and on top of it, you know, we've learned some stuff, Ben, over the years, and you probably will relate to this in working with Dennis for so many years. Um, but we've learned that information without implementation is really kind of worthless. So one of the great things that really separates Dental Intel apart from most other business analytics companies is that every single one of our clients is assigned a data analyst. And these guys are top-notch individuals. They have MBAs, undergrads in finance or accounting, and they work hand-in-hand, -hand, not just with the doctor, but with the front desk team members, with the hygienists, helping them understand the metrics that relate to them, what those numbers are telling us, because there's always a story behind a number, and then specifically identifying the specific actions that they're taking that's deriving that outcome. And then it's up to the practice to say, okay, I get it, I understand it, and they're gonna go make a change or they don't. Sometimes they need practice management consulting, but in most cases, they're able to quickly identify what actions need to change, and then they collaborate together as a team, make the change, and the analyst constantly is following up with them. So it's like they have a, a right hand, I'm gonna call them Siri, right? Yes. They have a Siri right down next to them where they can ask <laughs> yeah. any question at any time, live support, and they get that real-time answer. So it's been a lot of fun. We've had a lot of fun. I, I like that. I, I wish our listeners uh, could see what I see on my screen now. When you're talking about intelligence, Weston, the first thing that, that comes to mind is the CIA James Bond, you know, MI6. And the funny thing is, is that <laughs> yeah. Weston's picture on my screen is, is him in a suit and an Ashton Martin right behind him in a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so talk, talking about the, the, the intelligence within, within the dental community, I think it's uh, largely lacking. My experience, Weston, is that we use, I'm not, and I'm not going to name the, the other analytics companies that are out there or, or companies that provide data but it just seems to me that you download the data and it's really overwhelming you have oh, yeah. all oh, yeah. this information that tells you how horrible of a business person you are and it's kind of just <laughs> it's kind of discouraging so what it can be. so what you're talking about is a complete opposite scenario to where you're finding data but now you have um, uh, an action behind the data or at least um, a way to start improving the numbers. Not not only yeah, not only in action, but it's we call it, it's our exclusive application within the dashboard. It's called uh, today's follow-ups, and it specifically through intelligence identifies exactly what needs to happen today in order to see success in the practice. And I, and so success cool. that I'm identifying is not just um, success that I'm talking about is not just um, business success. It's improving patient care. And we know that if we can help the practices through intelligence identify what needs to happen by what team member or what patient to improve that patient care, the business aspect of it is just going to follow. If we become the best at what we do, the money will follow, right? And I'm a big believer in that. So Absolutely. our teams that are in the dental offices need to become the best at what they do. And if they are that, then the money will follow. Now, there's some things that you mentioned earlier that we're going to talk about regarding insurance that is just purely more business side and being strategic with that, not mainly patient side. And our data identifies that too. But it's an exclusive thing where we're really, we built in the intelligence almost I'm not kidding when I say like a Siri, right? Or like yeah. the Amazon Echo or the Google Home. 
you can ask questions and get the response back within minutes on exactly what needs to happen to improve. Yeah. But at the same time, the data brings those issues to the surface every single morning, like a text alert. Um, and, and you know exactly what needs to happen. It's a lot of fun. Um, and I, cool. I think that, uh, you know, you, you mentioned some other data visualization companies. You can go and get product for less money, but at the same time, it's getting information and then looking at it and not knowing what to do with it. I, so what, I'm a data junkie. I love it. I grew up in it. My background was a CPA firm for the uh, last 14 years focusing in the medical and dental world, so I love numbers. And uh, even when I look at my dashboard where I've honestly done everything possible to simplify things as much as possible when looking at it, it still can become overwhelming even to someone like me. So to have a data analyst on your team at the same time is absolutely worth that a, a small additional incremental cost simply because if you just have the information, you don't know what to do with it, it does you no good anyway, right? So yeah. it's important to us to make sure our users and, and the offices know exactly what actions they need to take today and tomorrow and in the future to see success in their business. Awesome. So that's that's the main uh, thing that makes you guys different, right? Is you you provide all this data, but then you also provide them with tips and and an an analyst to help um, figure out what to do with that data. Yep. And a lot of it's artificial. We built the intelligence in there to bring to surface what's happening, but then there's also live Super support cool. at the same time. So no, that's cool that you have the the artificial intelligence. That's uh, you know I'm I'm I like the tech stuff, so I'm kind of a geek when it comes to that. That's that's super cool. I didn't know that that's what you guys had built into your software. And it, the artificial intelligence is getting smarter and smarter. I mean, it's so cool to learn more as we continue to see and and access more data and and create relationships between what's happening. So it's that's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So I got a question for you on the the dental insurance side of things. So, Weston, how does Dental Intel help with insurance numbers in a meaningful way? Awesome, that's a great question. So one of the things that uh, one of, let me can I give you an easy formula real quick that we kind of yeah, base let's do all of our uh, all of our metrics are based off of this, and and it will really simplify looking at how I obtain profitability for all of your listeners. Okay, so here's the formula. I'm going to take my visits or my appointments and I'm going to multiply that by my average production per visit and that equals production. Now I multiply that number by my collection percentage and minus my overhead and that equals profitability. So there's four main categories of metrics. There's our visit related metrics, our average production per visit related metrics. That's the one I want to talk about because that's the one the insurance affects. And then there's our collection-related metrics and our overhead-related metrics. If you think about it that simple, where I'm only having to deal with four main categories of metrics, it's not too hard to identify where the practice can focus to get improvement. So let's just talk about what increases production. That's our visits or our production per visit. If you think about those two main categories, there's only two ways that you can increase production in a dental practice. You can either see more patients, which is having more appointments or more visits, right? That's one. Or two, you can increase the production per visit. So here's a good question I like to ask people. Would you rather produce a million dollars in a year off of 1,000 active patients, or would you rather produce a million dollars a year off of 2,000 active patients? 
That's a great question. Well, <laughs> yeah, and most yeah. people would say, well, of course I want to do that off of a thousand. It's less <laughs> chaos going on in the office. And you guys know as well as I do, sometimes those busy days are chaotic, especially oh, yeah. the front desk team. They're answering phones. They're trying to check people out. They're checking people in. I mean, it's just there's just a lot of moving components in a practice. And so the goal is to make sure that we're most efficient. Now, when I focus on in, if I have capacity and share room, obviously I want to increase the number of visits that's coming into practice. But at the same time, I want to make sure that I'm either maintaining my average production per visit or I'm increasing my average production per visit. And that, let's talk about how we do that. Um, but before I get into that, uh, Ben and, and Jordan, when I look at uh, increasing, if I have room, I want to increase my visits. If I don't have room, then I need to focus on increasing the value that the patients are receiving when they're actually in the chair, okay? Um, now, there's, there's two ways to increase our average production per visit. We can either, one, get our patients accepting treatment at a higher rate. When we diagnose, we want to make sure they're saying yes to the treatment. If they're not saying yes to it, then we're not going to be doing the dentistry that, one, the patient needs to get healthy and two, the dentistry that is more profitable for the practice. So that's one way. Another way to increase the average production per visit is obviously to raise your fee schedules. Um, but we don't want to be over where you should be. We want to be at a healthy range. And, and not, that doesn't necessarily mean that you want to be in the 50 percentile. That's average. Could you imagine your kids coming home? I have five kids. So... I had one kid coming and telling me this. Most of my kids are stellar, meaning in school. They want to do really well. I literally had one of my children come home and say, Dad, I did really good. I got averages in all my classes this last quarter. <laughs> what do you mean by that? I, I said, Gavin, what do you mean by that? He says, well, to me, it's good. I'm, I'm, I, I'm average. And then I looked at his report card, and it's full of a bunch of Bs and Cs. My Gavin, we don't strive for average, son. We're not striving for average. Could you imagine a practice owner saying, I'm doing really good. I'm in the 50 percentile. That to me is not <laughs> yeah. really good. That's just okay, right? So when, yeah. we, when we want to increase our average production per visit, we want to bring that number up. And I can do that again by either getting case acceptance or I can evaluate my fee schedule to see where I'm really at. Now, you guys know this better than anyone. What brings down our fee schedules? Oh, these crazy insurance companies. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we have to love and hate insurance companies, right? Because without them, we don't know if patients are going to get the care that they need to. But with them, we don't get paid what we know that we deserve to get paid. Um, so it, it's kind of a love and hate relationship. And so one of the things that Dental Intel has been doing for the last eight months is in-depth analytics of practices fee schedules. We're going to be releasing this fee schedule analyzer um, that's coming out first quarter of uh, 2017, this next year that's coming in. But one of the things that I've noticed, and even down the road, is that most practices just don't know where they're at on their top 10 to 15 uh, procedures that they're doing in a practice and where they're really ranking in comparison to the other practices as far as their fee schedules. I was actually just analyzing a zip code uh, in California just two weeks ago, and it was surprising to me that within a five-mile radius on the procedure code, uh, it was a crown. What is that? The D2740, I believe. Yes. Um, I might be mis mis 
quoting the code no. number. I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> You're <but> right. <laughs> when we were analyzing that code, I literally, and this is not taking into consideration the insurance companies. I'm looking at their standard fees, not the insurance company fees. But I literally saw a 18% variance from the highest person down to the lowest person. Wow. And it's a five-mile radius. That's huge. <laughs> That's a huge difference. Uh, yeah. And so one of the things that we really... Are, are focusing on helping and wanting to get practices is to help them know where they're sitting. If they're in the 90 percentile, then they don't need to raise their fees. And may, In fact, if they're busy, then great. If they're not, they might consider lowering them a little bit to get their chairs full. And if they're in the 50 percentile or low, lower, then clearly they need to increase their fee schedules. Um, so that's that's kind of what we're what we're focusing on and doing. I've done some of these reports already for several of our clients where we've been sending them out manually to them because I haven't got into my dashboard yet, but it's coming up first quarter. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm hoping that it'll change um, the profitability of a lot of practices because it focuses on that metric of increasing the average production per visit instead of just increasing production by getting more visits. Have you guys, Jordan and Ben, ever heard a practice tell you, look, I'm busier than I've ever been in my entire life. I've got more patients than I've ever had, but I'm not making any more money. Yes, every <laughs> yeah, day. Oh, yeah, I hear that all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's a common theme. It's a common theme, and we hear it all the time. And not only do I hear it, when I light up their practice with a dashboard, we see it every day. Yeah. From the most successful practices, I just lit up a $12 million practice in uh, Florida, $12 million, single location. Wow, Phenomenal single practice. location? They have 18 ops. I mean, it's a gorgeous practice. They are humming in there. Um, but in, when, I, when I lit them up, when we look at their metrics of their future appointments and their visits, crazy trending up. They're growing like crazy on active patients and future appointments. But then over the last three years, their average production per visit has taken a 32% drop. Wow. So they're... They're seeing a lot more patients and doing a lot of production on those patients, but the average per patient has taken a drop. And the owner of the practice said, before we lit it up, I said, doctor, what, what is your biggest concern? And those were his exact words. Weston, we're busier than we've ever been, but for some reason this last year, I'm not making any more money. And I started laughing. He's like, why are you laughing? I said, well, I'm going to show you why I'm laughing because you're going to see exactly what's going on. And for the first time ever last month, he increased this average production per visit by $9. He didn't change anything with his fee schedule, but he increased it by $9. Now, this, that may not seem like a lot, but this practice has, on average, 1,700 patients come through his door a month. So when you do 1,700 times nine, wow. that's $15,000 more production a, a yeah. month, right? Not seeing more patients, not seeing more patients, same patients, but $15,000 more a month, which is 183,000-ish more a year on the same number of visits that are coming in. Um, and, and the nice thing about the intelligence is it pointed down and showing him where he needed, what he needed to fix with his team members. They were struggling on hygiene, ACE acceptance percentages around perio and fluorides and stillants. But as soon as they saw that, they started talking together as a team about what, what they could do, and they immediately made a shift on their acceptance percentage. So it's been really neat to see. But similar things will happen when we release this fee analyzer. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit, if you're open to it, about what, what we're doing with insurance yes, fee schedules. Yes, right yeah. there. Please, please do. Well, one of the things that I've been looking at is uh, – let. 
maybe I shouldn't name the insurance companies. But <laughs> I won't actually call out the insurance companies, but we know who they are. I mean, the big, <laughs> the big reimbursers out there and, and the PPOs that you're signed up with. But I, I was analyzing one specific insurance company in, in another zip code area and looking at the reimbursement rates on fee schedules by the insurance companies that they're contracted with, okay? And it's, it's interesting, and this isn't going to be a surprise to people probably, but it's interesting to see the variance of the reimbursement rates by procedure codes within a five-mile radius. Um, so you'll, you'll, you'll be contracted with an insurance company, and they'll be reimbursing you maybe 14, or they'll never reimburse 1400 for a crown. They'll maybe be reimbursing <laughs> no. you $600 for a crown, and just down the road, they're reimbursing that other practice $750 for a right. crown. And uh, same insurance company, right? So it really helps you see, I mean, this is what Ben and Jordan, you guys have gotten into over the years and been very successful with helping people analyze this. But it, it goes to show you that you need to be contacting your insurance companies and getting the best reimbursement rate you possibly can. And I'll tell you what, every dentist that's listening to this, they're not just going to call you up and say, oh, it's been three years. I need to raise the reimbursement rate. That's not ever going to happen. That's, right. that's like the government's going to uh, increase our tax to cover the Obamacare. And then later on, after it's all paid for, say, oh, this is all covered, self-funded. I'm going to lower your tax now. They're never going to lower our tax. <laughs> insurance companies aren't ever going to increase unless you call them and give them a compelling reason to increase it. And uh, so the analytics that we're running on this has been really eye-opening to me to show how big of a problem this really is. Because we need the insurance companies. Patients need insurance companies. That's why we pay for insurance, to help subsidize our health care issues, which includes oral health. And uh, when we look at that, we just need to make sure that the insurance companies are not the only winners. We want them to win, but the dental practices need to win too. And so if all three can win, then that meaning the patient, the dental practicing, the insurance company, we're in a happy environment. But all too often, I see when we're running these data reports and analytics on this, um, on these reimbursement rates by insurance companies compared to peers in your same area, there are doctors being taken. Oh, yeah. I, I, I can yeah. almost guarantee you that the data that you have, doctors that have higher fee schedules, they've probably been through our program. But that's why they're there. You know, but that brings, you know, I don't know if the insurance companies are intelligently saying I'm going to take advantage of Dr. White in, in, uh, in Orem, Utah. That's not happening, yeah. but they're definitely not looking out for the doctor's best. Interest. You're right. The, so that, that's for sure. The growing trend right now for insurance carriers is to find ways to deny claims and reduce reimbursements. And I'm totally with you, Weston. Insurance is a wonderful thing. I mean, we have we had a child that um, with insurance payments combined with ours was almost a million dollars to to bring home out of the hospital. And there's no, wow. there's absolutely zero way we would have been able to afford that. So insurance is there for a great reason, but at the same time, the doctors need to get compensated a, a, a reasonable rate to what I refer to um, receive compensation to protect the financial integrity of quality care. And so exactly. what you brought up, the interesting thing about you brought up with the, the discrepancies of insurance reimbursements from doctor to doctor to doctor, that's leverage that we use to help doctors improve fee schedules because 
it's against uh, antitrust. There's a provision in antitrust. Uh, it's a restraint in trade clause that prohibits insurance carriers from discriminating reimbursement rates from provider to provider. But here's the problem. A dentist cannot call another dentist and say, hey, what are you getting reimbursed from X insurance carrier? Even, right. even if you do collect that data, it's illegal for that office or for that doctor to call the insurance company and say, hey, Dr. Smith just told me that he's getting paid $300 more on this crown. And that's what insurance... But as a third party, yeah. as a third party, Ben, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but I believe that I can consolidate data and then give that practice where he is benchmarked at amongst the peers in his area. You totally can. I can't name those peers, right. but I can say that you're sitting reimbursed on the, on these 10 procedure codes. This is your reimbursement rate and where you rank compared to those around you yes. with this insurance. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that would be extremely valuable for doctors to know how they imagine. stack up against other insurance carriers for the same reimbursement. I mean, you have to have, as an insurance carrier, sufficient reason or, or at least something that would uh, avoid a discrimination lawsuit as to why you're compensating another doctor at a much lower rate. Um, right. But but the other thing that we're, we're, we're experiencing, Weston, is across the country, we have a lot of doctors that are just getting out of these insurance networks. There are two insurance networks that I have in mind that I won't mention on this podcast because, uh, you know, our goal. Is, I know who they are, yeah. and so does everyone. <laughs> our, our goal is not to bash these insurance companies. It's I, I I look at it as I think the system is flawed, but at the same time, yeah. um, the there are a number of insurance carriers that that doctors have no business being in network with. Well, let me give you an example. I have a customer actually that I was just on the phone with this morning, and an awesome doctor. He has a four million dollar practice. And uh, about 18 months ago, he made a decision to drop one of these non-named insurance companies. And uh, when <laughs> I say drop it, there's a smart way of doing this, Ben and Jordan. You don't just all of a sudden fire all your patients, that's right, right? That's right. But yeah. you've got to make sure that you can weather through that storm. And uh, so there's a handful of things that he needed to look at before making this decision. One of the things that we evaluated with Dental Intel before was just his average growth rate. I'm not talking about new patients that are coming in. I'm talking about the net growth. That's taking your lost patients and your new patients and what's that net number. And then after looking at that net growth, removing out any of those patients that were on the insurance carrier that he was dropping. Okay, So we had to know what that was going to do to his growth. Because if you don't have new blood coming into your practice, then you're going you're gonna to shrivel up and die. Now, a lot of people think that they can... They, that the, the solve for everything is get more new patients, get more new patients. In most cases, Ben and Jordan, we found that that's so far from the truth. They have a lot of patients. We're just not doing a great job of getting them back in the chair. Right. And yeah. I can show that over and over again, and, and we see that commonly. But at the same time, there's some careful analytic evaluations that you need to do before just starting to drop one of these insurance companies. But can I show you the results of a practice? I won't name the practice. Yeah. He's a great guy. Most people probably know him because he's actually lectured and been a big proponent of getting out of your contracted fees. Absolutely. Schedules. Yeah. Um, but I'm just going to, I just pulled up his dashboard and I'm going to look at a couple things on here. So for example, he, he dropped his insurance in, um, in uh, the first part of uh, the first part of 2015. So we're, we're, um, we're a little, we're almost two years into this, okay, of him dropping. Well, in 2015, 
he, his production was $3,808,000. Okay. In 2016, year to date, his production is 3,763,000. Now that's gross production. Um, he, he is actually slightly down as a year to date. So I'm looking at, sorry, when I say 2015, I'm looking as of December 14th. Okay. I'm not looking at the end of the year. I'm looking as of right now. So I just pulled up the chart saying year to date. 2015, 3.8 million. 2016, uh, almost 3.8, but 3,763. So he's slightly down in production. Had he followed his trend that he had been growing for the last three years and not dropped his um, insurance company, he would have done $4.3 million this year had he not dropped it in gross production, okay? So some people will look at that number and think, man, I could never afford to do this. But this doctor was much wiser than that. Now I'm going to go to his collection year today. This is what's really telling. His collections year to date, this is what he's bringing in. So in uh, it, he did 3.6 million year to date, okay, in 2015. As of December 14th, he collected 3.6. So remember, he produced 3.8, so $200,000 he had to write off, okay? In, 20, um, in 2016 right now, he has collected $3,657,000. He's collected nearly 100% of what he produced, and he actually has collected more money than he did collect year-to-date in 2015. So, now here's the thing, though. He had to do some, he knew he was going to lose clients. He knew that. He knew he was going to lose his patients as, as he stopped um, growing. So, he didn't, he didn't all of a sudden, he stopped accepting new patients in that network. And then once he got to a certain point of where he had enough patients, he finally made the decision to say, okay, I'm now done with this network completely. And then he contacted those patients and said, we've made some changes with our insurance with this. We still can see you, but we're not in network. And he kept some of them because he's a valuable dentist to those patients and some of them he lost. And he saw a bunch of attrition. But even with losing those patients, his average production per visit now. So this is where he was. This is key because this is the most effective way to increase production. He was sitting down when he made this change at $382 average per visit. Today, this doctor is sitting at 356 or $456. So $382 minus $456, wow. that's an increase of $74 per visit that he's seeing. Now, when you think about per visit, you guys got to remember that this is not increasing a lot of overhead because we're not seeing more patients in the chair. The only overhead that it's costing is a minimal supply cost and which maybe be 10, up to 10%, right? It's not a lot. This practice on average has 900 visits. So 900 times 74, this is an increase. It's a lot, 900, 900 sorry, 900 times 74. This has been an increase of $66,000 a month to this practice by making this change. Wow. Wow. You know, that, that, that I'm glad you broke down the numbers these way, th this way, because when we help doctors get out of insurance, we do see an attrition. There's sometimes um, larger than normal, and it scares yep. these doctors into re-entering that participation contract with the insurance carrier. But my experience has always been if you have good training, a good team behind you, and your patient, at the end of the year, what you're going to find is that you worked less to earn the same amount of money. 
Um, and then your collections, your, your variable costs within your, your practice, uh, they go down a little bit because of the attrition. But overall, you're making a lot more money than you are in network with these insurance exactly. plans. Exactly. The value per patient increases so much now you there is a little bit of a storm that you have to be that you have to be willing to weather and yep. you just got to be you you should just know what that looks like before you decide to enter the storm right? yeah and, and, I, so. and I, i'm glad you brought this up because you know our podcast theme is say no to ppos in no way are we saying everybody should get out of insurance contracts um if you do you have to do it the right way you have to have a guy like gary takis that really, under, <laughs> yeah. really understands. Yeah, yeah. He understands the coaching side to help practices have a well-oiled machine to weather the storm. Um, but it's usually after the first year of dropping an insurance plan, you start to see the numbers increase again in terms of. For sure, yeah. eighteen-month mark, you'll completely see a turnaround, and you'll be. It'll be the. It'll be one of the best things you did if you can weather that that twelve to eighteen months. Then it'll be the best thing. Absolutely, you did. but for the first year, you're still seeing. You said this practice was sixty thousand dollars more a month um, per visit. That uh, if, if they maintain the same visits, it'd be sixty-six thousand dollars more a month in production just by increasing the average production per visit. Again, there's two ways to increase production. You can get more patients in the chair, or you can increase the value of those patients that are sitting in your chair. Love it. And it, and think about that. If you increase the value. That means more patients are saying yes to treatment and you're getting paid the rate that you deserve to be paid for doing that treatment. Everyone's winning there. Yeah. There's not a loser, right? People are getting healthy. Yeah. And uh, you think about um, you think about patients that are this kind of going away from the insurance, but if you think about a patient walking out the door that's been diagnosed with uh, decay on a tooth, be that needing a, a filling, an onlay, or a crown, or even a bridge or an implant, whatever, how extreme the decay is, if that patient walks out and doesn't say yes, then what's going to happen to that tooth? It's not like a miracle is going to all of a sudden heal the tooth. It's just not <laughs> happening. Well, it can happen. I'm a believer in miracles, Maybe. but in most Maybe. cases, it's not going to happen. So we need to help our patients feel enough trust in your ability to make sure that they're going to be taken care of and if, if that's happening, you're absolutely going to be increasing. One of the fun metrics that we have in here is our case acceptance metrics. And uh, one of the things, in speaking of the same practice, I'm just looking at his. I'm looking at uh, his acceptance percentage for last month, which he's sitting at 47% total amongst everyone. But when I click on him and look at the impact his team members have had, one of his hygienists, he's sitting at 62% acceptance of all treatment that he presented with her. Versus the lowest hygienist, he's got four of them. He's sitting at 21% acceptance. Wow. So what impact are your team members having on patients saying yes? If you think about it, a doctor walks into the operatory after the hygienist has done her cleaning or the assistant has got the patient set up. And then the doctor does his work, being at the exam, diagnoses some treatment, and what does he do now? He leaves the operatory. And who's that patient left with? Either the hygienist, hygienist or assistant, or... and sometimes the treatment coordinator, depending on how the practice functions there. But the doctor's gone. So what impact are your team members having on patients saying yes? And we got to look at this, not just increase the production and the practice, but to make sure your patients are getting as healthy as they can. Because we know there's systemic problems with oral care transferring down to the body health, right? I mean, that's... It's important to make sure we're keeping these guys healthy. But data, I guess, Jordan and Ben, what I would summarize with on this is 
data can help us be successful in identifying areas of opportunity. Um, and it's so important that when we, what, whatever we're looking at, when we look at data, when we try to really educate and teach practices this from, from the front desk team members to the doctors to owners outside of the practice, you've always got to find areas to celebrate. We have a rule, three celebrations before identifying one healthy opportunity. It's just a policy we have. We teach that. We try to make it a policy <laughs> offices. When you're looking at data, I don't care what aspect you're trying to improve in your practice. You've got to find three areas of celebrations and then identify not a problem, but a healthy opportunity and tackle that opportunity and then use the data to monitor to make sure that the decision you made is working. But if you don't have a system in place to guide you through that, then we're just really kind of shooting in the air, hoping our, our ammunition will hit targets, right? Yeah. Yeah. If, you don't, uh -huh. if you don't know where you're at and where your target is, you're just kind of shooting in the air and you're hoping you hit something. <laughs> and uh, and dentists yeah. dentist with corporate dentistry today, we, they, they need every competitive advantage they can right. get. Everyone. Um, because it can offer a phenomenal lifestyle. Phenomenal. And I, I feel like some of these new graduating dentists are, are hearing that it can't provide the same type of lifestyle and freedom that it used to provide. And uh, you even hear existing dentists saying that, but that's not true. Oh, yeah, all the yeah, time. it's not uh -huh. true. I agree with you. I agree with you. <laughs> but Weston, nice. Weston this, <laughs> this has been amazing. There's so much information that you shared with us today. Um, I, I'm a big believer that with good information, you can make good decisions. But it seems like to me that you're more about providing good information, but with some direction. So yeah, yeah. if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how, how can they get a hold of you or Dental Intel if they have more questions about things that you discussed today? Ben, we've been long-term, long-time long friends. <laughs> so I, I'll, I'll tell you what, if, if any of your listeners are wanting to take a look at their practice, um, if they just go to our uh, website, which is dentalintel.com, and then uh, fill out a little form there uh, so they can fill out a form, there's a, I, I want to, I, I don't know what the form says, but just fill out a form. There's a form there, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't been to our website for a while, but there is a form on there. And if they fill that out, they'll end up getting contacted by our account manager and just tell them to mention that they heard me on your podcast and that I promised them a free analysis of their practice. That is awesome. And what that cool. means is that we'll install our application We'll get them a dashboard. They'll sit down with one of our analysts for 30 minutes and just review what's going on in their practice. Here's one thing that I can prompt. Now, normally we charge $1,000 for this. So, Ben, because you're my friend, I want you to know that it's a huge value. Thank you. We charge $1,000 nice. every day for companies wanting this analysis. So, this would be giving them a dashboard and a free 30-minute an analytics with a data analyst looking at the data. And what, what I can promise you this, they will learn more about where their successes are and where they have great opportunities, not problems, but great opportunities to capture um, just untouched revenue and patient care than they will have known in the last five, 10 years of practicing dentistry. Literally in that 30 minutes, they'll learn more about their practice than they've learned in the last 10 years of practicing dentistry. It'll be a lot of fun. So I'm happy to offer that to people. Hopefully, some of them will end up wanting to utilize our services, but if not, that's okay. I want to help the industry grow, and uh, that's that's our way of giving well, back. Well, I, I think you do an excellent oh, cool. job at it. Um, of course, I've been 
following you, Wesson, and your, your program and your product. I have tons of clients that uh, use the program, and we take a look at it because it's so helpful, and it's so easy to use, which I like. Uh, in this day and age, everybody is um, kind of um, geared towards the social media aspect of, of software or so- online applications. And for those right. those that are interested, go check out dentalintel.com. What you'll find is that their program, it, it does provide phenomenal value. And this is speaking from the clients that I have. That practice that you have in Florida, it sounds like one of my clients um, that <laughs> recently told me about using your program and they, they improved productivity in a big way just by looking at a few key metrics and a few key performance indicators. But Wesson, I know you're so busy. Um, we thank you so much for your time being with us today. Yes, uh, thank you. We're going to post. Jordan, nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you. Hopefully we can meet in person. And Ben, thanks for catching up with me again. This has been fun. It's been great. Thank you so much, Weston. We'll talk to you guys later. And that's it, folks. Another exciting episode in the can. We extend our gratitude and thank you to you, our listeners. Without you, our podcast wouldn't be successful. It most certainly wouldn't be where it is today. We just recently started this podcast and we've already received thousands of downloads on most of our episodes. A small way that you can show your appreciation for what we do is to tell somebody about our podcast. You can also share any of our episodes on your Facebook page or other social media, or even like us on iTunes. Again, thank you for your support. And until next time, may you find success in navigating the most challenging insurance problems within your dental practice. Cheers.